from the EPR Creation Studios. This is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast Hot Takes Edition after the Sun Bowl loss to Arizona State. As always, this show brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or want to improve your marketing, call EPR Creations. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. And while you're doing it, go to showthesafeties.com. Sign up. Sign the uh, petition where uh, EPR Creations set that up for me. And uh, make sure that we can see a little bit more football on the... uh, on the screen rather than just watching the quarterback and the offensive line. Cause after all watching the quarterback and the offensive line for Florida state, the last couple of years has been pretty awful. And the sun bowl was a wonderful microcosm really of the last two years. It seemed like every few plays, there was something that was a great representative, great representation of what we've watched over the past couple of years from Florida State, and this this was a gift to Mike Norvell in lots of ways because he's there in person with full access and gets to watch exactly what he's going to be working with as he takes over now with this game being over. He and his staff are now fully in charge and ready to roll. Uh, <laughs> he just got a chance to see, like, oh, so that's an... I, I mean, I, I can't imagine all the notes that he must have been taking or that will, he will take, as uh, he and his staff will take, having watched this and, and then doing a little bit more looking at it, like, oh, yeah, little fundamentals, a uh, little bit of attention to detail would go a really long way. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before I get too much into that, I do want to address the other big news, actually, that, that came this week, and that was that uh, Marvin Wilson and Tamori and Terry are returning for uh, for next year. Each was uh, was draft eligible. Each uh, was a guy that many had projected uh, reasonably high. Uh, Marvin uh, with a first round grade from the from the draft board. Terry with not a first round draft grade, but somebody who uh, was going to test well enough and is highly thought thought enough that he's 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 going to be off the board before too long. And we saw a little bit of that today in the uh, in the long touchdown that he had. I mean, not not many guys that are six four run anything like that and. That's a hot commodity at the pro level. That said, he could do a lot of development next year in a in a different kind of offense, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how much he is able to develop there. But with those two returning, along with Durden, Janarius Robinson, and Josh Kando, uh, that I tell you what, that really does change the outlook for next year. I mean, it goes from a man, this team probably won't make a bowl. I mean, without those five guys, this team probably does not make a bowl next year. With those five guys, they should make a bowl, and they should do better than that. I mean, that should be a team that uh, competes for second in its division. I mean, it's not it, not likely to beat Clemson, but can be competitive across the board with just about everybody uh, and, and should should be favored against most of the teams on their schedule with that five there. And then Hamsa still has not announced his decision either. And you add him into the mix, and that's another uh, key key player, key cog uh, defensively that would that would really help establish what's going on in that in that first year under Norvell and and really try to change the culture uh, with a with a winning season going out and also help with the recruiting uh, for the next year. So this is this is where this is really important. Is as Norvell takes over that first year, it's really important to have a first year that shows progress, that shows look we're getting this thing turned around. 
if they're able to go out and win, let's say eight games and look competitive each time and, and show that they're making significant progress and get better over the course of the year, then that next recruiting class, you can sell proof of proof of product, basically proof of concept to those next guys, you can sell pl- not only playing time, because you're already going to be selling playing time, but you can sell playing time and proof of concept. And that's a really, really powerful combination to be able to sell. And you can, all you have to do is look at North Carolina this year, sh- showing progress over winning two games last year. And, uh, and all of a sudden, going at, they only went 6-6 six and six in the regular season, but competitive in every game, took Clemson down to the last play didn't lose any game by more than one score, showed progress over the course of the year, and they just signed the best recruiting class that they've signed since like 2009 or a little bit before that, actually. And uh, you look at what they've done defensively, they haven't signed a class like this since something like 2001. And it's because, again, you're able, you've got, a, you've got a, a coaching staff that's selling playing time, that's selling a new vision, and they showed proof of concept in that first year well, that's where getting those guys to return and fully buy in, that's where not only are they your, your best hosts to, to be able to say, look, this, is a, this, this guy's for real, you need to be a part of this, but also those are the guys that make sure that you can show proof of, proof of concept in that first year, and that, that is critically important. So I want to start the hot takes with that hot take of how important that was and, and what a, a massive recruiting job Norvell and his and his staff have done since arrival there because what I was told a couple of weeks ago this was this was about uh, a month ago now uh, about two two weeks before Norvell was hired I was told that that basically Wilson Durden Janari- and Janarius uh, were all basically out the door Janarius into the transfer portal the other two to the NFL draft. If anybody other than Odell was hired as as head coach, that's basically what they what had been talked about internally. That those guys are probably going to leave, and if it, basically they they weren't ready to they, they just weren't weren't excited with the idea of a third coach in four years. Like we already did this. Like we don't want to have to screw this. And then Norvell came in and managed to win them all over. That says something. That's a that's a serious recruiting win for uh, Mike Norvell. And that, that's something that has long, not only short-term effect, but long-term effect in terms of what being able to have a better season in that first year is able to give you in terms of credibility and in terms of recruiting. That's a big deal. So yeah, that's, I'll start there. The second thing I'll, I'll observe is that really what you wanted out of this game more than anything else is to come out healthy. And unfortunately, the most promising offensive lineman, returning offensive lineman, was hurt in this game. Dante Lucas with a lower leg injury. Based on what it looked like to me, it looked like that's probably a, uh, a broken ankle or you know broken lower leg. Uh, you hope that there's no ligament damage or anything, but they aircasted him and took him out. Uh, he's going to be out for a while and probably won't be out on the field you know, taking contact in the spring based on, on the kind of injury that he had. Now, you hope that it's better. You hope that that he's able to actually get some of those reps in the spring, but that that hurts because you. The one thing that's obvious is you're going to need to rebuild. If you're Mike Norvell, one thing that's really obvious is you're going to need to rebuild that offensive line. You're going to need to find who you can trust up there, and you're going to have to fix the quarterback position if you're going to have any chance of being the, the team that you want to be in that first year. 
And man, uh, this game, again, was a microcosm of that with the poor quarterback play and then also some poor offensive line play. Although, again, the offensive line in in many respects in this game got, as has been true the last couple of years, got more blame than it deserved. Listen, the offensive line has not been good. The offensive line has at times been horrible, but it's a force multiplier when you get bad quarterback play behind an offensive line. behind a bad offensive line or behind even an average offensive line. It's a force multiplier. And that's the thing that needs to be fixed first and foremost. This was a game where honestly Blackman played really poorly. And, uh, you know, he, he, this is a guy who just has no confidence and he doesn't, he he never really took to what Bryles wanted to do offensively. He just never was comfortable with that, with that offense. That's a place where I, when Taggart first took the job, I was wrong in both think in thinking that that uh that Blackman would actually be a decent fit for what Taggart wanted because of his ability to throw the the deep ball and even more wrong when I thought that he would be a decent fit for what what Bryles w- wanted to run uh as well Bryles had kind of indicated in the spring that he he wasn't sure that that uh that that Blackman this is behind the scenes but had indicated that he wasn't sure Blackman really could could run what he wanted to do but I, I was a little more confident, like, okay, well, at least some of the some of the tools are there to be able to throw some of that downfield stuff. But it really wasn't a matter of the the ability part. It wasn't the the, the physical part so much as just he just didn't seem to quite get what Bryles wanted him to do offensively. And of course, Bryles then this is where if you're if you're the offensive coordinator, you've got to find ways to make adjustments to what your what your personnel is able to do. And that is something that as teams were able to settle down on on the few things that that they were able to do well, they didn't have a whole lot of adjustments this year to use what the personnel was capable of doing and, you know, maybe go outside the confines of what your normal philosophy is in order to find a way to to use what you can what you can actually get. Uh, didn't do as much of that. And, and in this game that you, you could see the same thing. And uh, there, there were videos and, and gifts shared online. Uh, about where, where you'd see the uh, the offensive line and their all cut block approach, which is designed to get the defensive lines hands down for an immediate throw. Quarterback's supposed to rock out, get get the ball. Uh, it, it's a maximum of a quick three drop, but also you could just do a uh, step rock, and then as you rock back on that back leg, you find your target and you you put it in there. If there's no one that's open on those plays, the quarterback is supposed to throw it away. You throw it at the feet of your receiver or you throw it over the running back's head out in the flat, out of bounds or at the, at the feet of the receiver and you get rid of it. The one thing you can't do on those is hold on to the football or pump and hold on to the football. You know, you, you're only going to get protection for a little over a second, but that's the job. The, the whole point is to get their, their hands down so that you, you can make a quick throw and get rid of it. And the quarterbacks just never really seem to embrace that or get that. And you got to do your job there. If, if your job is to get rid of the football within a second and a half, regardless of whether there's someone open, you either throw it to the open person or you throw it away, then that's what you do. But then as a coordinator and as a coaching staff, if your guy consistently shows that he won't or can't do that and you don't have a, a viable replacement, then you'd better figure out some other stuff that you can do. You you know, it's okay. Well, you can't do that. So can't ask him to do that. But 
once again, saw a lot of that stuff today. Just a lot of slop, a lot of sloppy, a lack of attention to detail throughout. And, uh, and that resulted in the turnovers that ultimately were the difference in this game. Six turnovers in this game. Four fumbles, two of them lost, and then four interceptions in this game. I mean, Florida State was clearly the physically superior team in this game. Uh, even even accounting for bad offensive line and everything, when they wanted, when they lined up and wanted to run the football in Arizona State, they were able to do it. And that's with a pair of former walk-on, one former walk-on and one walk-on running back running the football. And then your your quarterback, who apparently you don't trust enough to have him throw at all as the running quarterback. So, you know, 5.9 yards per play, that's, that's okay. You'd expect that to go with a win. And holding a- a Arizona State to 4.3 yards per play, that's a, that's a pretty significant advantage there. I mean, that's, that's a 30% edge in yards per play. You get that, you should win the game. But six turnovers, that'll do it. And you expect a team that that gets six turnovers and is plus four in the in the uh, in the margin, in the turnover margin, to win by more than six points. I mean, that shows you how much better Florida State is personnel wise than their results. And that's one of the takeaways. If I'm if I'm Mike Norvell, I'm looking at this and going, man, there's a lot of talent out there. This is a team that's had a physical advantage over. <laughs> Over Arizona State, who's actually a pretty decent team. This is a team that should have a physical edge over just about everybody on the schedule. But man, is this a bad team. Just in all the ways that matter other than physically. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, yeah, man, there's a lot to fix. And oh God, I've got a lot of things to, to take care of and to make sure that the details are right. But there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't be that hard to fix. I mean, when it comes down to it, you think about like that last turnover. If you go back and you look at the replay, Tamori and Terry is carrying that ball out like a loaf of bread. There's three, four, five inches out between him and the ball, run, carrying the ball through the, through the hole. Well, yeah, you know, maybe if you're a wide receiver and running out way in front of everybody, yeah, that doesn't matter that much. But in terms of fundamentals, that should never be permitted, Period. Not on my practice fields. I know when, when I'm coaching wide receivers, that's not permitted, period. You're doing up-downs. You're doing, you're doing all sorts of different things when I see the ball come out like that. You're coming out of the game because you can't have that. Why? Because at, at just the wrong time, that's going to that's gonna bite you. And if you're running in traffic, then it's even more the case. But that's just little attention to detail. That's... The, the the tiny things that become huge things all of a sudden because you're you just went just at the wrong time. And that's the sort of thing I'm looking at if I'm if I'm Mike Norvell. I'm saying, okay, I gotta find some tackles. Because there's no tackles on this roster. Gotta figure out where I can find some tackles. But I got playmakers. Gotta find some tackles, gotta find some running backs, gotta find some edge rushers. Although Janarius and, and Kando with some proper coaching on the outside can be edge rushers. We got to find those between now and fall. Got to ha- got to make sure I get some running backs, some offensive linemen, or some offensive tackles, and a couple edge rushers. Maybe one edge rusher might be enough if it's good. If it's a, a guy that's good enough, but somebody that can contribute there. And then it's just a matter of, of focusing on the on the details and installing what 
I want to do. And I've got a chance of this team being pretty decent. That's what I'd be thinking. But man, I'd make, I'd make spring practice and <laughs> the, the workouts in February and all that. I'd make them, um, I, I would make them miserable. It would be a grind. And I would be, I would be preaching about how the only way to win championships is to grind like this. It's all about the grind. It's about finishing the drill about the, look, you got to embrace the day-to-day grind. You have to, and you would hear about the, the grind from me day in, day out and about finishing the drill and about detail being detail oriented because to play championship football, you can't let one detail be out of order. And I'd be telling that to these guys every day. And I would have my, uh, <laughs> I would have my uh, my strength coach, the uh, Josh Storms. I would have him emphasizing that every day. Storms, by the way, has some really interesting motivational stuff for making sure that players are handling attention to detail and are uh, making are operating within a teamwork framework and all that. We'll we'll get into that in a later episode, but. Ultimately, this is this game is as painful to watch as pretty much everything else the last couple of years. It's a microcosm of what we've seen. And if I'm Norvell, I'm taking a lot away from it in terms of there's talent there to be had. Secondary looks like they've got some players. There's some guys with some decent talent running around at linebacker. Once I get the guys all out there that I'm, I expect for my front four defensively, there's a chance for that defense to be pretty good once, once all that stuff gets coordinated and reasonably well coached. And then find a couple tackles and a running back, and all of a sudden, you got a team. You got a team that you can, you can win some games with. It's not a championship team, but you can play. But all that other stuff, man, I'm, I'm taking all the notes on better emphasize ball security, better emphasize just these little things every day and emphasize the grind. Cause these are, these are guys that just haven't, haven't learned to focus that way. That's what I'd be saying. That's what I would be. That's what I, that's what I would see if I were, if I were Mike Norvell and for him to get to see that again, up close and in person, that's, that's a real benefit. Now, if you're hoping by the way, to sell your house and you want someone to come in up close and in person and give the up close and in person treatment, for those who are checking around online, the person you need to talk to if you're in the greater Jacksonville area is Louis Marquez. Louis works with Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, and he is the best in the business when it comes to online video, smooth walkthrough video, drone footage, the best photography you'll ever get to make sure that your house looks the best when it's up for sale. So if you're looking to sell your house, go to Louis Marquez. If you're looking to find your house, nobody's going to grind harder than Louis to get your house sold. Also, Garage Makeovers, top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. If you're in South Florida, if you're in Palm Beach or Broward County and you need any work done in your garage, they'll they'll make sure that they grind to get it done just right. Give them a call. Again, let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. A couple last things. Uh, heard some real positive things uh, about, just, just to show you how detailed Norvell has been from the moment he arrived on campus, little things. And one thing, this is one just tiny thing that I, I learned uh, recently is Florida State in their meeting rooms has a mix of some of the meeting rooms, some of the bigger meeting rooms have projectors and some of the other meeting rooms have like LCD or LED screens. I don't, I don't know what they are. But 
basically TV screens in there. And Norvell came in and in his immediate facilities analysis, I guess went to the facilities people or whatever and said, you got to take the TV screens out of those, out of those meeting rooms. I'm like, well, why? I mean, it's, it boots up faster and everything else. I mean, the screen, it's easier. You know, players can come in and, and, and work with that. I mean, it's all familiar. And he said, no, 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 no. You, you, I want projectors in all my meeting rooms, projectors, not, not TV screens. And some of you out there might go, well, why? Like, why not? Why? And this was the response of, uh, you know, the, of the facilities people. Like, why? And Norvell apparently was basically the, the, the rationale for this. And, and, and I, I heard one rationale. Well, uh, I think there's actually another one in play as well. But one of the rationales was, look, when these players come into a meeting room and they see a projector, they're here to work. When they come in and they see a TV, Hey, look, when, whenever, whenever else they're working off of anything on TV, this is entertainment. So it's a matter of communicating just the little psychological difference in communicating that we're here to work. This is not entertainment. That's something that he wants to emphasize. The other thing I, I suspect that's going on here is a lot of coaching staffs will uh, what they'll do is they'll project a play or whatever on a whiteboard. They want the projector up on the whiteboard or on a, on a, on the, uh, it doesn't matter what, what color the board is, but on the board, the dry erase board. And then what they'll do is they will freeze, say a play that's there and they'll draw on that on, you know, what, what, this, what should be happening. Uh, or they'll have a diagram of something up there and they can draw on the diagram to continue to teach. And I suspect that that's also a factor here of making sure that in every meeting room that that's something that they can do. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I suspect because if I were designing all of this, I would want a projector in every room for that reason. And I would want every room to have a lot of whiteboard space. Actually, I would I would have like a whole wall of just uh you can now get like the whiteboard, like dry erase paint. I would have full walls of dry erase paint and just be working from that in, in, in the front of the meeting room to make sure that my players could follow everything that was going on and work off of my projected uh, slides and all that. That's, that's how I would do it. And again, this is the sort of thing that these are little pe- little things in terms of attention to detail that the, it, it's immediate. Like he walks into the room and says, no, I want those out. Well, why? It's just not how we do things. Not around, not around here, not anymore. I love it. So there'll be more, there'll be more to discuss uh, here in the near future, but I think that's good enough for a hot takes edition after the Sun Bowl. Uh, not a whole lot more to take away uh, immediately. So we'll go ahead and wrap there. As always, before I get out of here, I want to thank the supporters over at Patreon above the Bleach Numbers level. Lots coming, by the way, over on Patreon, uh, including some breakdown of Norvell's offense uh, and Fuller's defense at prior stops. Been working on horse trading to get what I need to uh, to help explain what to expect from those. Uh, still have a few things I need to get my hands on, and uh, I'm still on the things that I have gotten my hands on. Still going through some of that film and trying to figure out exactly what's going on and... and uh, so that I can help break that down and help everybody else understand what, uh, what, what, what to, uh, what to expect. But one, thank those supporters over above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey kid, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. 
I'll be back in the near future. I'll have actually more stuff posted on Patreon between now and the next podcast, I'm sure. Uh, so look there before you look at your uh, look at look for me on your podcast feeds. But until then, I'm Jason Staples. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>